Welcome to Back Chat. I am your host, Jason, as joined as always by my good buddy, Paul. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. All right. Let's talk some switchbacks. It's been a couple weeks. Um, when we last saw you, we had just come off the uh, loss to the uh, Northern Colorado hailstorm in the Open Cup, but we were trucking along in league play and undefeated. I believe at the time we were 4-0, and 4-0-0, and headed into Las Vegas. Um, so, yeah, let's jump right into that, shall we? Uh, Vegas. Yeah. Um, what did you, I mean, did you get a chance to catch the game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, it was definitely, uh, I, I was, I was pleased to have not been made a liar. Uh, goals were scored. Yep. Um, <laughs> my, my prediction that, that goals would be scored. Uh, no um, one was sent off. So turned I was out wrong. To, to be the case. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I could have, uh, I, I would have been happy with, uh, a sending off, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, I think that it was the first time that we really, um, that we really had to, to fight back from some adversity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that vein, that it was an important game. Uh, I think an important win for for the guys. It uh, uh, the first time this season um, we actually had to had to uh, come come back from behind uh, and not only tie but walk away with the victory. Um, I will say, watching this game was incredibly difficult because the camera <laughs> angles i think you know I, i've and i know what's going on you know, vegas has been in the league now for what four or five years they've never something like that yeah they've never really had a bad broadcast views i mean there there are a baseball stadium but i don't think i've ever complained or had a problem with how they the presentation of it um this looks like it was filmed from I don't know, someone's car on the opposite side of the field. Um, you know, I, yeah, it, the, the production value, uh, was, was not there. And the, the camera angle was just, I, I've, I've had a better angle sitting in the stands, you know, well, I, I've, I've see seen more of the action sitting in the stands. I've seen better recordings by in in the late '80s by someone's dad on the sidelines holding a VHS camcorder on their shoulder. Um, it was bad. I mean, it, it was, I, I it, it was difficult to watch. Um, I feel like the uh, the broadcast quality from the of the the U.S. Open Cup. From from your iPad was uh, probably of a higher standard, you know, and, and that's that's saying a lot um, <laughs> because you know when when I broadcast a game with three iPads and it comes out better than a what is supposedly a professional team that that pays uh, pays professionals to do this. Um, God, it was a joke. It was bad. It was it was it was difficult to watch. Um, 
How difficult to watch was it? Well, let me tell you, the opening goal was not seen live. Um, <laughs> that's how bad it was. Elvis Samo uh, scored uh, in the 22nd minute, and uh, thank goodness that someone had another angle for them to pull up because for whatever reason, they had cut the broadcast and... Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Elvis Elvis picked up the goal in the 22nd and we were on the board. Um, the game, it was... <sighs> Pardon me, my I, I must have cursed it because now my computer just kind of froze. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's the, the browser. I'm going to, okay there we go there we go it's the usl's website they heard me talking smack about them um but uh, uh at that point the switchbacks also scored again before the end of the half unfortunately it was an own goal uh ball bounced in by uh by matt mahoney and evened it up right before the half um I think that's the first own goal we've given up this season. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on that? Um, just a uh, kind of unlucky um, combination of unlucky and, and poor timing. Um, it, it was, it could have happened to anyone in that position. So I don't, I don't particularly place much blame on them. Yeah. Um, it, when, when you're playing a team that attacks the way that Vegas does, those types of things are are a high probability to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I I don't particularly place much blame on on Mahoney for the own goal. Um, you know those kinds of uh, those kinds of situations happen more often than you'd think, and uh, it, it was just it was unlucky. Um, yeah. But it it very much contributed to a. Um, punch for punch back and forth sort of game um, that had the camera angles been better would have been really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that, that's really kind of bad about this is that there there's, and this is, I mean, Vegas just happened to be the, the object of my ire because, you know, it was my team playing them. But, you know, looking at some of the games across the USL, you know, you got some that are just slick productions and you got some that is uh, some that are just like high school AV team quality. And uh, the quality just is so inconsistent from game to game. It, it really is really is a bummer. Um, it seems to have taken a step down from previous seasons, and I'm not sure how that's exactly as possible um seeing as it was actually going up there for a little bit um yeah i i know that that uh, a while back the league made the decision with uh, the the deal with the espn plus um that some of the the broadcast were supposed to be sort of standardized across the board um yeah. to make it to put less weight on each individual club to adhere to a, a, a standard of production. Um, cause previously you would see clubs that did a really good job and then you'd see clubs that were borrowing the high school's, uh, AV club equipment mm -hmm. and doing it themselves. So I, it, it, 
it's kind of settled back into a, a sort of um, just like neither here nor there. Everybody's kind of all over the place again. Um, so I'm not sure what happened to that whole idea of of sort of standardizing the uh, the broadcast. But uh, yeah, it certainly was not um, was not pleasant to watch. But the game the game did in fact still go on, uh, even yeah, though it they, wasn't, they didn't cancel it wasn't the pleasing game to look at. Yeah, um, which I'm actually canceling a game because the TV angles are bad. Would probably is very much a USL sounding event to my mind that uh um so we went into halftime and uh things were kind of on a downer um the uh we was tied up one to one we had just left in a left we just left let in our own goal um and also uh the uh our our one of our defenseman uh, Dennis Erdman had to be subbed out in the uh in the first half and the uh, through the week that 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 news kind of became um a little more dire as as he had uh put on on Instagram that he had fractured um either his fibula or tibula one of the ibulas <laughs> um and he was projected to be out um uh a little bit now. The broadcast, the the national broadcast uh, from the Memphis game mentioned he would only be out a couple. Uh, he'd be out a few weeks. Um, I don't know what the truth of that, but losing Dennis Urban definitely uh, is a is a blow because he was turning into being in one of our one of our top stars on the team. So um, halftime was was kind of a bummer and. Um, Coming out of halftime, things continued to be a bummer as uh, Jennings uh, for uh, the Las Vegas Lights scored in the 61st minute. And just like that, we are losing. Uh, I think this is our, we were down for the first time in league play. Um, And at that point, I was a little bit nervous because I had no idea how the team would react to being down. Um, Where was your mind at? Um, it, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely going to a dark place, um, <laughs> because again, we, we have not, um, we've not had to play from behind, um, this season. And I, I too was a, a little bit concerned, uh, less so with how we would react, but more so the kind of lift that it may give Vegas, knowing the, the, uh, fervor with which they attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it tends to be, you know, shots in bunches. Um, I, I was thinking that it was going to give them, uh, a lot of confidence and they were going to, you know, go put the final nail in the coffin on us. Yeah. Um, fortunately, um, fortunately, uh, some other individuals that, uh, that we talked about last time that I mentioned, uh, were extremely important to winning a game like this. Uh, decided to again make me not a liar and uh, <laughs> and step up in a big way. Yeah, it's almost like you understand this whole game of of soccer. Um, it's have, wild, huh? Yeah, it's your predictions come true. My predictions are like running gags. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, it's so, the difference between analyst and color commentator. I don't know. Kind of, kind of. Uh, 
Um, oh no. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, uh, shortly after some back and forth, and you're right about Vegas. I mean, they've got, you know, they, they are, while, while their record isn't blowing anybody away, they are an extremely explosive team uh, led by um, Danny Trejo. Um, no, not that Danny Trejo, but the other one um, who had, is leading the league in, in goals and assists, is up there in shots. Um, the, the whole team is just this, this uh, high-powered, high-scoring machine, and um, – we exactly haven't been. Uh, we may have been high power on paper, but um, unfortunately, they don't award paper trophies just yet. But um, in the 70th minute, uh, good old Zach Zandy came up with with a huge score, um, and then his uh, his uh, center field partner or midfield partner, uh, Cam Lindley, who has been just absolutely brilliant this season. Uh, ended up getting the game-winning goal in the 75th minute. Um, so it, it was almost poetic that those two, who have been building a nice nice pairing there in the middle all season long, uh, basically brought us back from the brink. Yeah, they, they, they sort of took things into their own hands. Because um, you're, you're usually not, uh, usually not seeing those goals... Um, coming from your midfield uh, in that directive away. Um, I believe if I, if I'm recalling the order of them correctly, Zach Zandes was a, an absolute bullet, like roofed in like a hockey style bar down mm-hmm. um, kind of, kind of shot um, that you would expect from a, from a striker. Uh, you know, usually when you get a midfield goal, it's uh, you know, something off a set piece bounces back to the edge of the box and they get to take a pop at it. But these were very direct, very, um, very intentionally thought out goals by both of our, our midfielders. And, and they, um, they put their money where their mouth was. They, they did exactly what the team needed when they weren't getting scoring from the forwards. Um, and, uh, it really, just sort of put the the punctuation on uh, on our discussion from last uh, last uh, show about just how important our midfield would be moving forward, um, mm-hmm. particularly when we we brought in all these high power forwards and we really haven't gotten off the off the mark yet with them um, having these guys that not only not only win the ball back for us, but then just distribute so beautifully and contribute directly in attack as well. It, it was just, uh, it was really good to see. And, and, uh, you know, I always, uh, I'll always enjoy having something that I've said backed up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> makes me, makes me feel a little bit like I know what I'm talking about occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. I, I wish I had that feeling. It'd be great. Um, so that ended ended that, and, and that that was a great team win. Uh, that was something that I think the team is, could use as a rallying point uh, heading into the uh, the warmer part of the season, the springtime, um, and especially seeing as that it's kind of a rough patch. I mean, if there was ever a, a chance for a um, 
uh, uh, oh, I forget the term. It was just on on the on the tip of my tongue. A uh, a game to be overlooked. You know, coming off of the the Open Cup loss, where where basically um, I hate to say our B team was there, but um, we rested most of our stars. We uh, um, and then also coming off the Miami trip and the Birmingham trip, it, it was. Uh, it was it was kind of a setup to be one of those games where we might have some dead legs and might have a built-in excuse for for coming away uh, without the win. But they rallied back and they fought back and uh, got the three points and went to five and zero, oh, which it was is one game one win short of the league record for the best start ever as they came home to face the Memphis eight eight oh one eight oh one. 901. 901. Um, that game, it was, that was a weird game. Um, it was sort of a weird situation leading up to it. You know, we, we had, and, and this shouldn't be, shouldn't be an excuse and shouldn't be something that you are, you're making your entire strategy around, but we were expecting to be playing them after a short turnaround. They, they had a home game, uh, midweek, um, I believe against Tulsa who, uh, you know, traveled, traveled to Memphis and then Memphis starts getting absolutely hammered with storms. Um, and they pushed the game back an hour they push the game back another hour. They push the game back another hour. They, they, they keep pushing it back. And then finally, when it gets to that point, the playing surface, the, the conditions were just not conducive to even playing at all. Yeah. Um, so they ended up, they end up canceling the game, uh, postponing it for, for later in the season. And like I said, you, we shouldn't, you shouldn't be making your strategy and, and planning around the, your opposing team being extra tired from, or having to rotate uh, players um, due to due to a short turnaround, but they did come into this game better rested and and better prepared than we were expecting them to, um, and really right off the bat, kind of, I I, I kind of had a bad feeling for within the first probably five ten minutes. Um, you very very quickly after kickoff got the sense that. Uh, we were not in control of, of this game in our own stadium. Yeah. Um, we, was, were, we were up against a team that was playing as if they were the home team. Yeah. And the, uh, when you stay this first five, 10 minutes, I mean, really the first five minutes were very um, consequential. In the first, in the first minute, um, Haji Berry had a breakaway and was very clearly, clearly fouled in the box. It should have been a penalty kick. Um, the oh, referee absolutely. waved it off. I've watched it six or seven dozen times, and I, I, I'm much more mad about it now that I've seen the replay over and over again than I was that night because it was literally before, I mean, really before everyone had returned to their seat after singing the national anthem. I mean, it was yeah, literally it was- the first attack. Very, very, very early, and even from my from my position um, on the opposite side of the stadium, uh, it it was a very clear foul and absolute. Like if if USL had VAR, there's no way that it could have been given as anything other than a penalty. Yeah. Um, and 
that just sort of set the tone for officiating really throughout the throughout the match. Yeah. Um, coming off that, coming back down, um, the referee, Elton Garcia, um, decided to give a very, very weak yellow card to Jimmy Ockford. Uh, officially, it was in the seventh minute, but I think it was like in, in the sixth minute. Um, it, was, it was Jimmy Ockford's first direct involvement in the game. Um, yeah. And it may have been a foul, but it certainly wasn't a yellow card. Yeah, it 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 might have been a yellow card in the 80th minute after multiple warnings throughout the game, um, but not that early in the game. Especially when, I mean, in my opinion, the referee made a decision on that first penalty kick uh, or the lack of penalty kick. I almost want to say that that the time in the game was a factor in him deciding to not make that call. Um, and Which then it, should never, that never. should never be a factor. Yeah. Um, and, not only, not only, and, and I didn't realize this on the night, but not only did he not give the nailed on penalty, he actually gave Haji Berry a yellow for dissent um, for yes. arguing yes. the, uh, the, the, the uncalled penalty, um, well, I, I, which I, is just in, adding insult to injury when you've clearly done your job wrong and then punish someone else for it. Yeah. Well, it, it actually was in the same span of the, after the Jimmy Oxford yellow, um, they happened almost instantaneously. He yellowed Oxford and then Haji Berry said something to him and he turned around and gave the yellow to Haji as well. Um, which is even more ridiculous. It could, it could have been banter that, that went back to the penalty, but it was clear that, he didn't want that, that the referee has was clearly putting himself in a position where he was going to be the focus of this game. And he, he really was, he, uh, he made, a, he made a lot of questionable calls. He made a show of showing up players on calls. Um, you know, it, it was, it was ridiculous. At one point he stopped the game ran completely across the field to give Brendan Burke a yellow card. Um, very dramatic. And, and, dramatic. And also uh, gave a red card to a assistant coach on the switchbacks oh, at did, halftime. Yeah. I did not see that. Yeah. One of our, one of our assistant coaches was, was uh, given a straight red um, at halftime at the halftime whistle. Mm. Um, yeah. They don't, th- this, they don't put the this referees uh, Go ahead. Man. Just really um, <laughs> just really compounded the the problems that uh, that I have with with PRO. Um, it was it was I the 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 obvious one that would have uh, that would have made the big difference was um was the penalty, but when you see when you see the obvious missed calls or or blatantly ignored calls, you have to wonder how many other little things you didn't see that the referee absolutely saw but still decided not to call. Yeah. Um, and it, it just it it puts a sour taste in your mouth knowing that the game would have unfolded differently had the referees done their jobs correctly. Yeah. Um, and and fun anecdote, fun story. Um, if anybody follows me on Twitter, they know that I tweeted about it. Um, the uh, the far side assistant referee um, flipped me off 
uh, <laughs> at the game um, for for uh, criticizing his inability to keep up with the play. Uh, I, I had just shouted down. I'm like, hey, you have to be able to keep up with the play to make a correct offside call. And he uh, he flipped me off. He he pretended he was brushing the back of his head, but he uh, he did so with his middle finger multiple yeah. times uh, as yeah. as he walked away from me. Um, oh. So. So it was uh, it was very clear. Um, I was hoping that I could catch it on the broadcast, but I haven't had a chance to to rewatch it. Um, but oh. yeah, that just sort of add, just adding to like, if you could have chosen the worst person to to antagonize as a referee, it's me uh, yeah. because I already I already think you're a joke um, because of the organization that you work for and your uh, inability to do your job. But yeah, that's my that's my fun anecdote about uh, referees at this particular game. Yeah, um, and, and Elton Garcia, um, just to give you an idea, he uh, he was actually named the USL's or pro named him the USL Referee of the Year in for 2020. <laughs> um, he's done a hand, he's done a handful of uh, MLS games this year, and uh, he actually has been refereeing in the USL for uh, quite some time. Um, I kind of went you looking for wonder, him to see uh, see what the, you know. I could, my my uh, my my thought on 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 this is was like where I mean because to me this guy, I, you know, ref, referee ref refs are people. Um, they're going to make bad calls. They're going to make great calls. They're going to make you know. It's part of the game. I, I guess my problem comes down to two things. One is consistency. If you're going to have call a bad game, call a bad game on both teams, uh, which I actually think he did call a bad game on both teams. But um, I, I can't stand a ref who decides that he's going to kind of show up the players and show up the coaches and, and be, let himself know that he is part of the game. Um, in which I felt he did er, very early with the uh, the cards to Oxford and the cards to Barry. Um, clearly, yeah, it, calling it the a, it was a statement that uh, that this game is going to go how I say it is and no other way. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and uh, I'm going to make big dramatic gestures and um, just be a just show up everybody. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if. Someone in the crowd pissed him off. I don't know. It's probably you. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I was on the I was on the other side. But, I, was, um, I was busy pissing off the assistant referee. It's fine. Yeah, it, it was it was it was bad. And um, yeah, I, I, it's as I was sitting there watching the game unfold. I'm like, oh god, we're gonna have to talk about the officiating, aren't we? There's no way around this guy. We're gonna have to mention him. What a, uh, what an yeah. Hard not to when when you watch this game unfold. Uh, my personal favorite, my personal favorite of the night was uh, in the in the uh, was the 83rd minute. Um, 50-50 ball comes down between uh, Cam Lindley and uh, a Memphis player. They both go for the ball. Cam Lindley gets to the ball first, boots it away, takes a uh, boot to the shin that flattens him, and receives a yellow card for being fouled. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought I, I, if ever, if ever I, the thought had crossed my mind that, that the time was right for a pitch invasion, 
<laughs> like well, it was, it was, ju- it was a joke. It was a joke. I, I was literally laughing out loud, um, at the calls that this guy was making. Um, and not, not only towards the switchbacks, just he, uh, like you said, it, it was like, he had to make himself known like, like the man has a God complex and he has to, he has to puff himself up and make all the players, you know, respect him or something. Cause he made some really garbage calls both directions yeah. and it, it annoys me when referees don't let the game happen. You, you know, I've, I've heard people say, let them play uh, when two teams are very obviously getting chippy with each other and, and they shouldn't be letting them play. Mm-hmm. But when when the talking points are more about what the 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 stoppages that happened than the play on the field, it's it's bad news. It's bad for the sport. It's bad for the league. And every game has a little bit a different feeling, a different tone. And referees need to be sort of in tune with that. And he didn't even let the game develop really long enough to, to sort of set the tone and, and find out what kind of, what level of influence he was going to have to put on the game. Uh, he, he yellow carding two players on the, on the same team in the same minute, seven minutes into the game. Come on, you're, you're already making way more impact than you should have. Mm-hmm. You're not letting them play. And it, to be honest, unless unless Haji Berry said something so foul and so vulgar, you should never be getting a yellow card for dissent, for calling out a referee on a mistake. Um, that that is pure God complex. That is pure. I can't be wrong, so I'm going to punish you for it. Well, especially uh, so early in the game. I mean, people could say things to the ref over the line. But I mean, if he comes in and he says, you know, hey, man, are you effing blind? OK, some some refs may not like people dropping the F bomb on them, but but that's a chance to turn around, look at him. Tell Haji, who is the team captain, who, um, you know, is supposed to have a, that communication with the ref. I mean, by he's supposed to be the one communicating about the flow of the game with the ref, potential calls. You know, when the ref has a message he needs to deliver to a team, he does that through through the captain. But and and to to not just say, hey dude, watch it. You know, you're on you're on your last with me. Um and just straight do it. Because now we've got our center back sitting on a yellow with with ninety with uh, eighty three minutes left to play. We've got uh, the reigning MVP and and our our leading scorer from the previous year and the guy who one of the guys who makes the offense work who's going to be in the attacking third. Him sitting on a yellow with eighty three minutes left to play. It puts us in an already precarious position. And you add in the fact that. The vibe was off the the from the get go. Um, I think I, I think the switchbacks were unsu- were, su- were surprised and unprepared for the level of intensity and um, pressure that that uh, uh, and energy that 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 Memphis brought. It seemed like you know they were they were expecting a feeling out process, and instead they got you know 
very physical right off the bat. And before they had time to really adjust to that, they've already had the referee interject himself into this game. So it kind of took it, it. It made what would naturally be uh, an energetic back and forth game. It turned the switchbacks, their energy to almost be overhyped about it, where there were there were two. There, there was there were, there was so much energy it was out of control, which led to bad passes, bad defense, um, just a, a loss of focus and a loss of control. And in, in my opinion, I mean there was there was a lot of there was a lot of things that we normally don't see from our guys. Um, you know, bad uh, l- losing losing uh, the duels, losing fifty fifty balls, um, just dribbling the ball. I mean. Mishi losing control of the ball while while on a break. Um, there was a lot of things that we we haven't seen this season from this team, and I think a lot of it had to do with just being, um, you know, the just just being out of control and being too emotional and not focused and kind of almost like like they were. I don't know, just not matching. There was there were there was a different vibe happening in the game between Memphis and the referee, and the switchbacks were not anywhere near that vibe, and they were they were trying to react and they weren't reacting enough. Yeah, it, it was. You could tell very very quickly that that things were off, um, and, and one of the biggest ones um, for the switchbacks this season, um, aside from a couple of uh, one or two games, really, that uh, that the passing was not very crisp. um, Our passing accuracy is usually upwards of 80 percent, and that's on a on a bad night. Mm -hmm. Um, And our passing accuracy in the opposing half is usually, you know, 70, 75 percent. Our passing accuracy was horrible. Um, we we had perfectly placed passes where the player that should have been making the run just wasn't. Um, and there were a couple. Uh, there, there's one in particular that I recall. It was one of the most beautiful forward passes that I've seen Tristan Hodge make in his career. And Mishi Galina hadn't even started running. He was just standing still flat footed at the freaking center line at midfield. And this ball, if Mishi had been doing what he has been doing this entire season, he would have been in on goal um, yeah. or at, at the very least, he would have been uh, creating a very threatening situation. Uh, and there was a lot of that. There was a lot of guys just not making the runs that they've been making all season. And that that sort of thing, it's absolutely mental. Uh, it's a it's a hundred percent a mental game, and something was off. And I think that the the tone set early by the officials definitely had an impact on that. Um, and again, like you said, the the not expecting the sort of physicality and intensity from Memphis right off the bat. Um, We were just off a step the entire game uh, and really didn't get ourselves into a real rhythm until it was far too late. Yeah. 
it, it kind of to make a comparison. You know, think of your 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 home. You're on your PlayStation. You're playing FIFA. Uh, it, it, you you if, it's kind of look like the equivalent of someone that had been playing the game for a couple hours. You know, and they've got like three or four games under their belt, and the buddy just walked in the door, and they tossed him a remote and said, "Hey, dude, sit down, let's play." And that per you know, you have one person who looks who's been warmed up and playing and the other person who's you know just walked in the door and still got his jacket on i felt like the switchbacks were that guy that just stepped in the door and had his jacket on um they were like well hold on hold on a minute Where, where's the x button Where, where's where's this you know yeah that, that sort of thing um and you know it's it, it was it this was also the first game where jeff caldwell was really been tested and f for the most part he came up pretty good he's made some great saves um there's three of them off the top of my head i could think of one of them was a a horribly missed offside call by one of the, by the uh the assistant and uh he he made a a, a great one-on-one -on -one play and uh, uh there was one that was very similar to that with an, with a guy coming in on the uh, touchline um and then late in the in the second half when he was able to tip the ball over the bar on a, on a shot. But, um, the first goal that was given up, uh, and that was in the, in the 43rd minute to, uh, Malloy, um, he was, he was just flat footed on it. I've watched it. It was a few times. It was pretty fluky. Um, yeah, it he, was, he was definitely flat footed. Um, and, and, I believe that it was affected by by something that we haven't mentioned about this game, and that was that there was about a forty five mile an hour wind the entire game, um, yeah, going directly towards Jeff Caldwell's goal. Um, and I, it the way that that first goal went in, it very much looked like he misjudged where how far it was going, due to the fact that it got caught by a forty mile an hour gust and just sort of sailed over his head. He could yeah. do nothing about it from where he was standing. Um, and that's why I said it felt kind of fluky because I believe, I believe that had the elements not also been against him, he might've at least gotten a touch to that uh, and maybe have been able to send it wide or, or parry it. Um, but yeah, it was, he was definitely flat footed. And if you don't take the conditions into, into consideration, it definitely looked like he was, had not positioned himself well. Yeah, it, it you know the, the the shot came from from the uh, basically in the corner of the 18. I mean, it was one of those shots that that's not made very often. Um there there was three players, the three defenders were in front of him. Uh none of them were putting pressure on him, I don't believe. Um might have might have screened him. There was no curve on the ball on the ball, and it looked like it looked like Caldwell didn't react to the ball until it was just about past him. Um, it was it was a weird goal. It was it, it was very fluky, and you know there was every, every contributing factor from the wind to being screened to him uh, just not expecting that to happen. Um, but nonetheless, it did, and. Uh, whether it be an ugly goal or a beautiful goal, it counts just the same. So, uh, you know, Memphis was up one to nothing at the end of the first half. And uh, it, it was, you know, just right before the half, I believe, was when Brendan Burke got his yellow card. Apparently one of the assistants got a red, um, a straight red, which 
I, I would have to think there would definitely be some conversations about someone's mother at that point uh, to go straight red. Um, it was clear. It was clear going in at half that things were were going to get sketchy. It, it was a, it, the wind was incredibly bad. It, it was you know you, it, it, I think the official temperature was maybe fifty five degrees, but it was with the wind. It was bitter bitter cold and i can imagine down in the field it was it was even worse um and uh you know coming out in this in the second half um switchback still did not whatever problem they had uh it, it still seemed to exist um you know one thing i noticed all night long and i don't know if this is was planned or what, but a lot of the, the switchback success comes from pressuring the other team as they work to build out of the back. Um, and, and, uh, Memphis played a very direct attack, um, almost entirely bypassing the middle third, uh, when it got the ball, the, the their, their goalkeeper, he, he, I don't think not once did he ever play it play it short out of the back on a goal kick or when he received the ball, um, always just booting it down the field and, and hoping to win the 50-50. But uh, the switchbacks very rarely had a chance to do any of their usual um, uh, front-end pressure um, to build well, off the front. For the for the majority of the first half, the switchbacks were forced into because of the wind coming directly towards them. Um, we were forced to play it short. I don't think Caldwell took a normal goal kick the entire first half. Um, yeah. He because the of the fear of it getting caught up in the wind and not even making midfield. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know if like you said I don't know if it was planned. It seemed like to me that Memphis had done their homework um, yeah. and they knew that if they got bogged down in our midfield, they were never going to get a look at goal. Um, and they knowing that Dennis Erdman was out and that our back line was sort of hodgepodge um, that maybe they, they saw a weakness they could exploit and it, it obviously worked out for them. Yeah, it, it it instead of they seemed quite content to um, sacrifice the middle third and either be say you know we're gonna we're gonna pack our end or we're going to we're just gonna launch it every time we get it and hope that something good comes out of it and if nothing and if nothing comes out of it at least you're not gonna be in our face while we try to build out of back and uh, are getting getting cheap turnovers and have have a chance while the rest of our team is downfield. Um, and and if it was planned, it was it, it was uh, it was a bit of brilliant coaching um, on their part. Um, you know, the wind played into that, and the um, the general malaise about the team I think contributed helped a lot in that too. Because I say they they had no interest in building at all. Um, it was it was uh, get the ball, chuck it down. Um, you know, no short passes, everything long, and the switchbacks just didn't seem to uh, have an answer or a desire to answer it, and um, kind of sucked. Um, so, in the 59th minute, there uh, Memphis scored again, and I believe it was off a set piece uh, on, on a, on a actually a decent header uh, that went in, and we found ourselves down two to nothing, um, which is the biggest deficit we've had. 
this season. Um, at that point, it, it, the tenor of the team changed and, and we began to pressure more. Um, but there was sort of a, more of that uncontrolled um, frenzy feeling about like like they were a little too desperate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there was you know, at that point, you know, there you're in the 60th minute. You've still got 30 minutes left to play. Um, but it, it was it was it was it was a desperation that really again felt more out of control than than it needed to be. And um, unfortunately, that uh, you know there was uh, we came. S- Really close on a Hachiberry free kick on a bad call again by the by uh, the referee, and even though it went in our favor, he called the uh, goalkeeper for handling the ball outside of the box. Um, looking at the replays, I don't think the ball ever left the box. The ball always was always touching the line. It was very very close, but as long as any part of that ball is touching the line, it's still considered in the box and. Um, he right there saw it, still called it. Um, unlucky call for them. And Haji Berry um, fired a shot that banged off the woodwork right off the uh, the, the far post upper corner. Um, and really one of the best shots, uh, best chances we had all night, uh, with the exception of, of Mahoney scoring right into injury time. Um, but aside from that, you know, there there was uh, Matt Mahoney scored off of a Cam Lindley corner kick, um, scored on a header. It was it was a great a set piece. Um, one, of, one of the few positives to take from the night, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was well set up. It was well struck. Um, he he got free of his defender pretty easily. Um, one of the few positive things that. In fact, another negative thing that I I actually had to double take during the match because I didn't realize that it had happened. But um, something that you usually don't see happening, um, we had a substitute be substituted. Mm. Um, uh, Carlton Belmar came on in the 62nd minute and then was subbed off again in the 81st. Well, um, yeah, after I believe taking a knock. Yeah, he was limping off with the trainers around him, so uh, that did, uh, definitely didn't help the cause any. Um, yeah, and and also just putting another a negative feeling on the night of a great. Now some of our some of our offensive depth is is going to be unusable as well. Yeah, um, which is pretty pretty brutal considering that we thought we had a pretty strong and pretty deep squad at the start of the season, and now really we we've got. Dennis Erdman out and we've got Carlton Belmar, who's a question mark. And suddenly, suddenly two players are gone and we're feeling pretty thin. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just the way the game was going did not play into any of our strengths at all. And, um, needless to say, we lost the game two to one, uh, gave us our first defeat of the season. Um, you know, trying to find some positive in it, you know, the, the, Everyone uh, really recognized that this just was not a a normal game. This was a bad night by everybody, um, and you know you can't win every soccer game. I mean that's just that's just even even you know you look at Phoenix who went on that what nineteen game winning streak in twenty or twenty nineteen, uh, and they still got booted out in the first round of the playoffs. So I mean, 
nothing good lasts forever. Um, and if you're going to have, if you're going to have an off night, at least have everyone be, have the same off night early in the season. Um, early, early in the season is the key there. Yeah. Um, getting, working these kinks out now so that they don't become the reason that we miss the playoffs or the reason that we bomb out of the playoffs. It, getting these kinks out now is so much better than, um, than having it happen late. And I, I think we talked about this in the first show that getting hot at the right time is such a huge deal. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not really, it's not really something that you can easily control. It's just something that sort of happens organically. Um, and getting hot at the right time is important. So we, we had a hot start. Um, I, I almost prefer that we took a, took a punch to the nose early so that we can learn from it and, and move forward. And it also sort of plays into another conversation that we had last time about, um, the infrequency with which we see East coast teams, East conference teams. Mm -hmm. This is a team that we had only played once before in their history, um, to a one, one draw. Um, so we, we did not. We didn't have much to go on uh, other than other than game film. And uh, it came down to one one team was. It seems pretty well prepared and the other was put off, whether it was by the conditions, the officiating or just being in kind of a bad place mentally in general. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it it definitely did not play out our way, but again, like, like we've talked about, it's, it's better to get these out early and, you know, be able to, to learn from the mistakes we have, we have exactly what needs to be worked on. Um, and you know, now we can, having played them, we can look at other Eastern conference teams that come in that have played against Memphis and, and see, okay, so this is how this team took advantage of Memphis. What can we do to, to, uh, take advantage of their weaknesses? Yeah. Um, or you know, this is, this is how much Memphis changed their game plan to play for us. Are we that predictable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it brings some questions that can be beneficial as much as losing sucks. Um, and I don't really want to say that any, any of our players really had a, an out and out bad game. I feel like as a whole, as a whole, things just didn't seem right. Um, yeah, like I, one... I mentioned, I mentioned Mishi in particular, cause it stood out to me having, you know, having a couple occasions where he just didn't make a run that he normally would have. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was sort of all over the place. Uh, Malik Johnson had a couple of those as well, where you, you saw a perfectly placed pass by Cam Lindley or Zach Zandi and the attacking player was just like, oops, I guess I should have gone for that. Huh? Yeah. Um, and it was sort of all over the place. It, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't one player that had a bad night. It wasn't down to bad goalkeeping. It wasn't anything like that. It was just an off night for one team and a really well-prepared team on the other side. Yeah. Well, let me, um, that's an excellent segue. Cause let me give you some quotes from head coach Brendan Burke after the game. And, and they really touched on basically everything we just said. Um, 
his his overall thoughts uh, <laughs> was uh, I'd start by saying, and this is a uh, quote, quote, I start by saying I can't answer questions about the referees. So to me, uh, that, that, that says that he's already gotten a letter from the league and probably had to write them a check for his previous comments. Um, that said, we weren't good enough. We didn't respond well enough to fight through everything they created for us early in the game. I think it threw us off. We needed to be stronger mentally as a staff, as players, all of us. Uh, it was a big curveball. The first five minutes of the game were kind of bizarre, but we didn't respond well, and that's on us. Um, on the last four minutes of gameplay, uh, we got outworked tonight in the first half. In the second half, we started to respond, but we got outplayed. Memphis was good and deserved credit. Uh, theirs was quality in their performance. There was energy and physicality in their performance. I thought they were good and they deserve points out of tonight. Uh, us at our best would have been a much different story, but I would say seven or eight of our players had an off night tonight. When that happened, that's a major uphill battle. Um, on Jeff Caldwell's performance, uh, this is really the first time that Jeff has been tested in a game this season, or I felt like he was tested somewhat consistently. I, I thought he played fine. I thought he played well. Hopefully that makes him a little bit more connected to the group than he was before, because honestly, he, wasn't, he hasn't had to do a lot up to this point in the season. Uh, maybe it was a good thing to spark his connection to the group. And um, what we're about to get into uh, on, on getting ready for Tulsa uh, it takes a few days to absorb this, honestly. The guys need to get away from each other and to get away from us for a few days. That's normal. I haven't gone through a loss since last season, since the playoffs. I would say we earned that loss collectively. Now we just have to absorb it in the right way and make sure we, we respond in the right way. So I'm, I'm glad to see that the, the coach recognized it as well, that it was just a, a collectively off night for everyone. There wasn't like a... Um, you know, there was, there was really no fingers to be pointed anywhere. Obviously there was just fingers pointed everywhere, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. There, nobody's performance stuck out like a sore thumb. It was just, it was just off collectively. Um, and I, I know I said this last time, but man, it, it's really nice to, to have a coach who gets it. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it also makes me feel I I hadn't read that uh, hadn't read the interview yet, um, and it makes me feel a little bit better that we are seeing the same things that he's seeing in the performance. Um, yeah, because that, you know, uh, because you know, not not to not to get on the bashing Trichu train, but you know, if if Steve Trichu was the coach, he would have made a point of calling out players or certain positions about how. Uh, and I can think of him doing this after multiple games where if they don't play better, they're going to have to find another job or we have players on the bench that can obviously take down our starters. And he would have been very passive. He, he would have been pointing fingers immediately. Yeah, pa um, as, and, as passive aggressively and, as possible. <laughs> and and taking no responsibility. Yeah. Um, and, and hearing Brendan say that we as a staff need to do better, um, that that was a big that's a big one. Yeah. Um, and I, I assume that that is a uh, a not so subtle nod to getting himself yellow carded and having a, uh, a having an assistant coach sent off. Yeah. Um, that he he has he has such a great understanding of not just the game but also just the people how how to yeah how to interact with 
a club as a whole and as a team as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with comes from the fact that uh, a large portion of his career he was dealing he was he was coaching, you know, a de- for lack of a better word, development teams. He he was coaching younger teams that were you know a lot of players trying to work their way up, trying to make an impression. Um, and I I feel like he probably has taken a lot on board from his experience with that. Um, and it, it translates really well to, um, players of all, of all ages and experience levels, uh, in this organization. Cause we've got guys like Dennis Erdman who, you know, are absolute veterans. Um, you've got guys who are veterans of USL and then you've got guys who are, you know, in their, in their first couple of years. Um, so I, I think he, I think he really understands what is needed um, now, whether whether we he has the ability to to translate that uh, um, to the to the players and staff and really make it make that impact uh, remains to be seen. But I, I really think that oh, he I can. Think he, I really I, think I, I think he does. I, I you know, it, it's I think back to the first week when his hiring was announced after uh, Alan Koch kind of left us in a lurch in the middle of the off season. And we brought in Brennan Burke and uh, um, Shane Malcolm, who at the time was basically just released from his contract from us, um, who had been our star for, for several years and really never got the, I felt, the, the appreciation from the club or the coaches the way I thought he should. But he had just Absolutely. been, got ceremoniously kind of dumped and then dumped by the coach that, uh, it, the, the coach disappeared um and there was just there was just a bad funk uh going into the in or going out of the 2020 season um and and he made a point of coming back and and posting on the trailheads board that hey guys brendan burke is the real deal he and everyone loves to play for him he is brilliant um you guys are in great hands for many years to come and i thought well that's 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 pretty cool, you know? I mean, for a player who has every reason, for a player I felt who had every reason to have an ax to grime with the franchise uh, to come back and let the, let the fans know that, hey, man, you guys nailed it with this interview, with this uh, hire, and you guys are way better today than you were yesterday. Um, and, and really, it's kind of come across. I mean, I know everyone hated what happened with Mishi last season, Um but I, I mean, and I'm I mean, still not not 100 percent convinced that uh, <laughs> that Brendan had much choice in that because of our affiliation with uh, with the Rapids but, organization and and all but, that. But but I think he's able to recognize that at this level, every player has individual goals, and sometimes those goals aren't the same as the collective team goals or what management's goals are. And I think he's able to tap into what everyone's personal ambitions are at this level um, and able to channel that onto the field and and work that together with everybody. Because, you know, we have players that are looking to make comebacks after injuries. You look at players that are coming to make names for themselves, names for themselves that are youngsters like Mishi Galina. Um, you know, you, you, hear, you heard from the players with, during the Mishi thing that happened that this is what, you know, when, when the coach makes a promise to you when he's recruiting you in, 
it's important that he follows through on the promise because then you know you can trust him. And I think I think that situation helped us land, you know, the Carlton Belmars, the Elvis Amos, the Malik Johnsons, the the Dennis Erdmans, you know, the 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 um the Maka Kings, the big players from other teams say, wait a second. Okay. You know, we're, we're all playing for these journeyman coaches who are, you know, obviously have their own agendas and all this. We're playing for clubs that are barely making any money in front of hardly any fans. I mean, over here, you've got a, a, a coach who has a reputation for doing his best to take care of his players. Um, I'm going to go check that out. I'm going to revamp my career. I'm going to, uh, continue my career. I'm going to end my career. You know, that sort I think there's, I think he's got a lot of credibility with the players in the league. Um, I think he's helped restore the credibility of the, the, the club itself, the franchise, um, you know, going into 2020 before the, before the stadium, um, it was commonly heard, you know, like when Trichu was mentioned by other coaches in the league that, wow, Trichu did a great job considering the ownership he played for. You know, and um, the, re- the the franchise, the ownership, the club had a reputation for being frugal, indifferent to players, having an indifferent fan base, and a, 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 it, it could be the stadium, it could be the injection of funds from Dean Widener and, and Widener Homes, it could be Brendan Burke coming, showing up and changing the culture, but... 2022 version of the switchbacks does not match any 2020 and earlier version of the switchbacks from, from ownership down to coach. And I think, I think a lot of that culture change can be attributed to Brendan Burke. Um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think him getting, getting control of the roster when, when the split happened with the Rapids and him becoming general manager, I think that was huge um, because I think now he's got the final say in just about everything. And it seems like ownership trusts him to make the good decisions. And so far the decisions are paying off. Uh, Dennis Erdman is going down is, is, is bad for us, but that gives Maka King who who uh, Macaulay King, who was the uh, a key player in the, one of the stingiest defenses last year in El Paso, that now gives him more time. And you know, it's just like it may be next man up, but we've got depth at, at a lot of positions, and we've got experience at a lot of positions. Uh, and um, you know, losing Carlton Belmar is going to suck. Uh, if if he's gone for an extended amount of time, um, I hope that's not the case. I haven't heard anything, but you know, there's there's young guys uh, that that want to step up too. Um, uh, Ray Rayon Rayan, um, I can't yeah, pronounce he, his name. With, I think he made his first appearance for us as a substitute mm-hmm. uh, against um, against Memphis. Uh, we we do we have we still have depth. Mm-hmm. There are still guys to fill in places and. While we, while our depth may not be as, um, there may not be as high a number of players after the split with the Rapids, you also notice that it's not a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds from the Rapids Academy. Mm -hmm. We've got, we've got guys, yeah, they may not be that far off that age, but we've got guys who are a little older and have more experience 
um, and, and have the, the ability to really make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I heard whispers when, when they were talking about when, when Erdman going down, like, well, you know, maybe we could get a loan for, uh, uh, for Sebastian Anderson from the Rapids, you know, he'd really feel great back there. And it's like, okay, so are you going to keep, are you going to keep Maka King off the bench on the bench then for the, for him? Are you going to put Tristan Hodge on the bench for him or Mahoney or, or Oxford? You know, it's, it's, you know, the, we have, we have plenty of options. Um, you know, do we, you know, we got Cam Lindley and Zach Zandi and, you know, behind them, we've got Beverly Makangila and Echeverria and, um, you know, we've got the young, we, in, on the back, we've got, you know, Vanderplume, you know, who, who's another young option to bring in for on, on the back line. So, you know, we, we've we got, do, we've got Ben Mines who we oh, haven't yeah. seen for a couple of games and yeah, I has scored he got goals hurt. already. Yeah. I think he got yeah. hurt, but, um, but, but still, I mean, these players are going to come back at some point, you know, and, um, I think we. I think depth wise, I think we're in a good spot. Obviously, we don't want injuries, but you know we've we've still got twenty eight more games to play. Um, I think the I think the 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 forward depth and the defensive depth are a little bit light at the moment with uh, with the injuries or potential injuries and just with the the way that we've been lining up. We've got we've got five forwards on the roster and we play with four of them in every starting lineup. Yeah, um, which is uh, it's a little rough. We just basically if if Belmar is actually out for any amount of time. Um, either Haji Berry is going to have to give up that that uh, deep lying number 10 role and start playing as a forward again or or signings are going to have to happen because there is no depth there. Yeah. Uh, midfield, we have midfield. We have a lot more options defensively with Erdman out. We are using all of our defenders. Um, now, I know that uh, uh, Foster is uh, is capable of playing in multiple places as well. So he he has slotted into those positions uh, previously. But there I know we we've also heard the rumblings of of a couple of more signings uh, coming down the pipe once the, uh, the summer transfer windows open for other leagues. Um, but we, we do have guys who are more than capable of filling a lot of these spots. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and not only that, but the flexibility to change, you know, change our formation. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's looked to me that there's been a lot of times this season when we've, we've, gone to having a, a three three man back line um especially when yeah. we've been we've been uh um pressing really hard and you know we really don't seem to give up too much of that um so you know i i the injuries are concerning the depth i'm the depth i think right now knock on wood um we've got to get us through to to the uh the summer window um that is, of course, assuming there's no more major injuries. But I mean, yeah, we're we're five five uh, five and one right now, and 
you know, it, it, it I don't know. It, past, we would have broke, we would have ripped your hand off for five and one start. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if th- this, if this is as bad as it gets, um, you know, I'll, I'll have a second cup of this, you know, in the summertime. This is, this is, this is great. This is so far, I mean, even with this loss and even a couple games where we haven't been playing our best and we've still managed to, to come away with wins uh, in, in games in the past that we would have uh, found a way to not win, whether it be to lose or to tie. Um, you know, I think I think right now we're going in a good direction. I think I think the coach recognizes the personalities, the temperaments of a lot of players, and will and knows how to harness them uh, positively. And uh, again, you know, we have twenty eight more games coming up, uh, and we have I mean, it's it's the it's the middle of April right now. I mean, this time last year, uh, the season hadn't even started yet. So, um, you know, we, we've got plenty of, we've got plenty of games to play. And, uh, yeah, if you told me at the beginning of the season that Memphis would be our first loss of the season and that we'd win every game before that, um, I would have, I would have, I I would have been like, no, no, that sounds like something stupid, something I would say. That's just stupid. (laughs) So, um, so looking ahead, um, next week we have, uh, we are playing, oh, I just had the schedule up in front of me. Where did it go? We are going, yeah, we, we, <laughs> next week we are going to, uh, Tulsa, um, which always used to be a big matchup They're They're in the Eastern conference now, which seems kind of weird to me, but nonetheless, um, we'll be going, we'll be traveling to Oklahoma and playing Tulsa. Um, now Tulsa is actually traveling to, uh, Dallas tonight for their open cup match against FC Dallas. Um, so they, they have a little bit of traveling and they may have some game legs. I imagine they might try to play there with, uh, with, with, uh, at least uh, they would be, uh, that they would be rotating a bit. Yeah, they, they're definitely would be playing enough to want to pull out the cup set, but then again, not enough to uh, go all in. Um, the MLS teams are entering this round of of the Open Cup a little bit earlier than they did last season, or around previous seasons. We didn't play last season, but um, so uh, if you're looking for uh, tonight, which is the nineteenth Tuesday, um, there's going to be some great games. Uh, to watch on ESPN Plus on the Open Cup, um, lots of of USL teams playing uh, playing MLS teams, and you know I always love to watch a a cup set: uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus FC Cincinnati, and uh, Detroit playing Columbus Crew, and I believe uh, tomorrow night you got uh, Minnesota United going down to uh, Madison to play the USL One Ford Madison. Um, go Mingos, um, <laughs> go Mingos, and uh, you know other really interesting matchups: San Antonio playing Austin uh, for uh, the MLS Austin. Uh, you got that tomorrow night. Um, Rio Grande Valley. I think this is their first time playing in the Open Cup because they're no longer run by the Houston Dynamo, who they're playing tonight. Um, 
the Northern California, Northern Colorado uh, hailstorm. Was traveling to Rio Tinto to play uh, ML, to and play RSL. RSL. Yep. Let's uh, let's get. Let's. Uh, I I have no problem rooting for them uh, against RSL. I will be I will be supporting uh, NoCo. Uh, at, at least have someone on the right side of the Rocky Mountains win that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of, for me, it's a general rule. In the Open Cup, you root for the lower seed, and uh, you don't root for an MLS team uh, as long as <laughs> – that's just how I am. Um, the other game yeah, – I'm, I'm an underdog guy. Yeah, tomorrow night, uh, also Phoenix and New Mexico are playing each other. They kind of uh, got lucky in that they don't have to play an MLS team, but that should be interesting seeing as they just played – uh, this previous weekend, uh, those are always fun when you have those back-to-back games of of rivals. Uh, one time, Four Corners Cup rivals, um, which uh, it just breaks my heart that no more Four Corners Cup. Um, and I don't know if it's tonight or tomorrow night, but you've got the uh, the the Miami Classico with Miami FC against Inter Miami for the MLS. That- is tonight that is tonight at 5 p.m that that one uh should be uh <laughs> should be interesting I, I, all, all all love to the usl championship but uh that should be uh miami fc up against a wall um yeah. with a inter miami firing squad to be honest that that should be pretty uh rough the other the other really interesting one tonight is uh detroit city versus columbus yeah, um, knowing knowing the hatred that most Michiganders have towards Ohio, um, that uh, that could be a really fun one. Well, and that's in Detroit too. So uh, I hope Columbus is prepared for darkness, darkness, smoke, smoke and, and smell. smell. Yeah, um, <laughs> for the, for they may it may be deployed on them early. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you, they survive <laughs> it. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you think about? Uh, San Diego Loyal versus LA Galaxy this evening. The Landon uh, coaching against his old team. The the Landon Cup. Um, the Landon Cup. I love that. No, it, what's interesting is that there was a, uh, as in San Diego, there was a uh, San Diego or LA. I can't remember what. But there was there was a drinking fountain that <laughs> that. Uh, Landon Donovan drank out of a lot. He had pictures taken with. They actually put a little placard on there that this was the Landon drinking drinking fountain, and uh, they actually removed it and repainted it in San Diego colors. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I uh, that's another one where where it's it's I I cannot in good faith I think ever root for an LA team in any sport. So. Um, I guess go San Diego. Um, uh, same with with uh, Orange County playing LAFC. Um, it's kind of a culmination of of LA going on there. But I mean, you got you got to look at the the um, the hierarchy of what you want. You know, you want you want the underdogs, and you want. You know, for me, it's like you know, I'll root for the underdogs. I root against LA, and uh, they're both kind of LA. So I root for the underdog because that's more important. I'll tell you what, I would be thrilled if every USL team beat their M- MLS team. And I thought I saw that one. Yeah, uh, DC United is going to uh, Flower City Union, who plays in uh, NISA. 
Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and, uh, which, which probably, but that game's on a five as well. They're playing at the Rochester community sports complex in New York. So that makes me believe that, uh, um, I'm not, I've never heard of flower city union before. Um, but I know to, in order to, in order to host games in this round, the team hosting has to put in, pay like an $8,000 fee um, for the broadcast or something like that. And yeah, they have to yeah. put up all sorts of ridiculous stuff that you know no team is going to be able to do. But it impresses me that one, that, that they were able to do that. And um, uh, um, tomorrow night, Rochester from the uh, MLS next uh or MLS, MLS NP, MLS Next Pro, I think is what they, versus FC yeah. Motown um, from the MPSL. That's impressive that, that, you, that you have games that have two of the division three or lower teams. Um, then Hartford Athletic against the New York Red Bulls, that's not going to be pretty. But they're playing in Hartford. So, you know, there, there's there's... There's going to be some interesting matchups uh, all over the place, and um, go Division Two and lower. Uh, lower. Lower Division Soccer is is where it's at. Um, I just I know it'll never happen, but in my in my dream world, just to stick it to Don Garber, um, having all USL Championship or lower teams beat knock out all the MLS teams would be like my, my, my U S open cup dream. Oh, that, that, that would be like so great. (laughs) So it'll never happen, but you know, it would, it, I can dream. I can dream. Yeah. Um, Oh, that would be so beautiful. That's like, that's like, you know, thinking about, that's like sipping my ties on a beach somewhere. Um, that's the equivalent of that or something I know that I'll never get to do. And, uh, now I, I would, I would be thrilled if just there was maybe two or three MLS teams knocked out this round. And, um, that would be great, uh, to get them all knocked out, man. That's like, that's Santa Claus level stuff right there. Um, and you know, for it, it's funny cause this is, this is a weird, weird round for the open cup because you got, you got the, the the lower division teams like you know uh, the hailstorm. They're just starting their season out, so you got the USL one and lower who are just starting their seasons. So they don't really have a, a, a two or a three, you know, uh, like a, their B team, you know. And, and then you got the champion USL championship teams, which are at this stage most of them are playing MLS teams, so they have to make that decision whether or not. They want to give it all, give it their all, or play their B guys and not risk burnout. But it's still early in the season, and you know that you think about some of the teams that have made good runs in the past. You know they didn't win the championship, but like you know you think of uh, New Mexico beating the Rapids. You think of FC FC Cincinnati when they were USL uh, pushing as far as they could. You know all the that that yeah. seems to be a, uh, to me. I, I would gladly give up two or three games. Uh, off of the, our win total for the season, if we could beat an MLS, if we could be, if we if we could play the Rapids and beat them, or our MLS team would beat them, because I think that that, in my opinion, that is worth way more in in 
for the fans, for the franchise, or the club, than you know, uh, than one or two games throughout the season. Um, and I, and I can tell you, the hailstorm care, care much more about beating us than we cared about losing to them. And I think if we had won that game and we were traveling to Real Salt Lake right now. Um, I think we would, there would have been a caravan. I think, you know, there would have been, it would have been a joyous occasion and uh, just to be playing them. And I, I, I think a good number of, of switchback supporters would have showed up for that game. Oh, and that, that would have been the big game so far and not, absolutely. not the five and one record. Um, so, you know, you know, what's what really the, even above and beyond the, uh, the thought of, potentially beating MLS teams in general. But imagine for a moment that uh, that a USL championship team does the unthinkable and and goes all the way and wins the U.S. Open Cup. That means the USL championship team is in the CONCACAF Champions League next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that would be almost, I, I don't want to say comically awesome, but I mean, it would be comically awesome. Uh, and imagine just like, you know, uh, you draw you draw up against like Tigres or something in in Liga MX and just get destroyed. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you know, then they, you know, you you have one of those teams showing up at Widener Field. You oh know, my that, gosh. that fan base, can you imagine how packed? I mean, yeah, they, they we would get destroyed, but I then again, we could match up against, you know, whoever the winner of the Canadian PL is. Yeah. yeah. And we could actually make it, make, make it a, a little bit deeper. You know, there, there's, I, I don't know. Per, I've, I'm personally always thought that, that I, I thought it, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to have a play in between like, for because right now United States gets uh, gets the MLS champion, the the uh, the the what is it the commissioner's plate or whatever the supporters trophy supporters cup supporters plate, um, they get into the Champions League and the Open Cup winner gets into the Champions League and I think I think the winner of each division or something like that in the MLS, I think they get four total spots. Something like that. Yeah, but I think I, I think it I th- it would be kind of cool to have like the 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 championship winner for the USL to have like a one game playoff or or a a uh, a home and home uh, series against the Open Cup winner to determine that final spot for for the United States in the Concacaf, just so there's you know another real chance because that's I mean how cool. If a team, if you know, um, FC Edmonton can get into the to the to the Champions League, then why why can't why can't we? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that that uh, I feel like almost like the way that the German league does, um, like promotion qualification or relegation qualification, where like say you're not you're not in the in the top. Uh, the top three spots, but you're like fourth place and you get to play against the team that's getting relegated from above you. And whichever one wins either gets to stay up or go up. Like you could have like the last play, the last, like the fifth place MLS team 
play the top USL team and whoever wins gets that last Champions League spot. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just throwing stuff at a wall. But Well, and, and you know, it's... I think there's there's... I don't know. We're going to have, we know we're going to have promotion relegation coming down the future within the USL ecosystem. We're not going to get it with the MLS. That's never going to happen, but we're going to have it at some point. And so I think if, if you have, you know, what could be at the time, 40, 45, you have a pool of, of the championship and, and league one of, you know, 45 some on teams all playing, you know, I think there should be some spot for us, an, at least an opportunity outside of the Open Cup. Because right now, the, op- the way the rules are structured in the Open Cup is so skewed against lower division teams that it, it's, it's almost ridiculous to think that's the only chance we could have to play in an international, you know, in, in the Champions League, um, in yeah. the CONCACAF Champions League. And, and, you know, I mean, it's while, while it's, I know some people was listening to this and going, oh, come on, really? Do you want us to, hey, we were just getting throttled every year. Well, you never know. You know, there's, I mean, MLS gets throttled every year. Um, so it, you know, everyone's got a puncher's chance. I think, I think if you could, what owner wouldn't want the traveling contention from a, a, uh, Liga MX team, not even traveling, but just local, showing up and filling a stadium for one game. Set it, you know, set ticket prices outrageously. You may piss off your local fans, but you know what? You know, you you bring in as much gate as, for one night as you would for half the season. I don't see any ML or USL owner that would say no to that. Um, no. and. I don't know. And, and, you know, just on the off chance, too, that, you know, you never know. You may get that one bad night against, uh, you know, Santos, and you go down there and you score an away goal, and who knows what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, we, it's, we've been watching storylines like that in, uh, in like, the FA Cup in England. Heck, a, a fourth division, fourth division, Cambridge United uh, beat my Newcastle United in their in their first uh, appearance in the FA Cup, immediately knocking a Premier League team out. That's I mean yeah. that, that would be like Madison taking out Minnesota United. Yeah. Um, in 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 a our little bigger US than that. Open Cup. Yeah. A little bit bigger than that. But I think culturally it would be, be like much bigger than NISA, that. <laughs> that'd be like one of the NISA teams uh, knocking out uh, an MLS side. Yeah, but it, it's it's a big deal. It's a and it's it's huge for the for the the cities and the teams and the fan bases that do make those those upsets happen and get themselves into a into a position uh, to to make those big deal international appearances. Even if it even if you get knocked out in the first round, cool. You still got to go play against you know a Mexican league side, a Colombian side, whatever. Yeah. You that's 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 only good for the club. It's exposure for the club uh, to players from those regions who may be, want to be like, Hey, wow, these guys are the real deal. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, and on the casual fan flip on FS one, one night. No, it's the, it's the CONCACAF champions. Like, Oh, wait a minute. That's my town. You know, (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it's, I don't know. I, it, I, I know the odds of it happening are slim to none because you would have to take a spot away from the MLS to do it. And MLS and U.S. soccer are so connected at the hip, they could be conjoined twins. But um, I don't think there's any owner in the USL that would say that's a bad idea. Um, I think, I think it, you know, at that and, and, you know, getting going on promotion relegation, I think would be just such, such, uh, such great things. And also, you know, not even just, uh, you know, talking about, it may, I didn't plan to have this conversation, but, you know, just thinking about how, when is the most packed you've ever seen, uh, the old Widener field Fortress Sand Creek? It was when, it was when, uh, uh, Mainz came in. Was it from Mainz? The, FSV Mainz yep. from Germany. From the, yep. I, at the time, they were second division, Bundesliga 2. Yep. And that place was packed. And I think I was the only one there wearing switchbacks colors. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for I would love to see more of these type of things, more ex, even if it's exhibitions against, you know, traveling teams. Uh, I'd love to see, see the... Uh, the switchbacks get in on, you know, trying, trying to get some of those teams to when they're doing their American offseason tours during the summer to come into Widener Field. Um, you know, we've got yeah. the we've got the you know, it may be artificial turf, but it's corkanut. You know, I think we're we're are we still like the only the only stadium in that FIFA that a FIFA has approved for the corkanut field. So um It'd be interesting, you know. It, it, I think that would bring excitement and any anything to get eyeballs and uh, eyeballs on the team and credit cards hitting the web, <laughs> hitting the uh, the team's bank account. It's got to be a good thing. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I remember back before uh, before Minnesota United made the jump to MLS, uh, they hosted Swansea City um, at uh, at their makeshift stadium up in the northern suburbs and it was absolute like it was a sellout people talked about it for weeks i i'm actually pretty sure that my my twitter like headline photo is still a picture of our supporters section uh at that game um Mm -hmm. just absolutely chock full people who had never been to a game before just had to come and see what it was about and those those types of games are are really special, even if they are just exhibition. Um, even more meaningful if they uh, if it happens to be a uh, Concacaf Champions League game or something something that matters, you know. Yeah, yeah. But and give after more... the longest tangent ever. Yeah, I did not expect for that to happen, but it's a good conversation. I mean, you know how much I love the Open Cup. Um, the Open Cup is 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 something I'm so excited is back, and I'm looking forward to to uh getting the the quad box up on ESPN plus and waiting to see who's gonna who's gonna pull the cup set off and um but uh that'll of course be after I'm done uh cutting this and posting it and pimping it out on everywhere. So back to the switchbacks specifically we've got Tulsa coming uh or no no not coming. We are going to Tulsa. Going. Yes, going. Correct. Um we are going to Tulsa and after that, we are going to somewhere else. We are going to Oakland. We? Oakland facing Oakland Roots, April thirtieth. Oh, and playing on their awesome CGI-looking field. Have, have you watched them play before? 
it doesn't look real. Yes. It doesn't look real at all. It looks like they're playing on a CGI field. Um, yes. There's no. Um, I I recall uh, that uh, the game that San Diego uh, San Diego Loyal managed to uh, throw away a, a victory against ten man Oakland. I remember seeing on Twitter all the salty San Diego fans talking about how the field is garbage. Um, but yeah, it's a it's like a two tone fake grass mowing pattern. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting spot. Um, that'll yeah. be that'll be a good one. Yeah, it's it's um, it's probably the one of the best fields to ever really get a good idea about offsides without VAR. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's true. No, there I, are very clear horizontal lines there. You know, I can't. I I uh, I came just inches inches to buying a piece of the original field that got them uh that they had to forfeit that game for uh for those that don't know oakland first year in the league last year um first first uh, brand new team um i they're not fresno or were were they fresno or were they someone else are they brand new i believe they're a brand new franchise okay they're brand new but their first ever game um they their their field was so bad it was basically cut down they 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 brought in turf that was cut in three by three yard squares um (laughs) and basically laid down and and not in like any sort of consistent order because like you you have one square that would have a five from a 50 yard line from wherever they got the field from before, which I found out later they got it from the old NASL OKC Rayos OKC, which <laughs> if you follow that drama is just that that's a whole other podcast. That's like a deep dive podcast. But I think, Paul, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> This field is legendary. The parts of that field were legendary. And Oakland actually ended up selling it online to raise money for some cause. And I was going to buy it. And my wife, because I'm like, I've got, a ba- I've got a little tiny backyard out back. I could throw it out there. Man, that's a part of lower league soccer history right there. And she was like, I'm, I, you know, I don't put my foot down on much, Jason, but I am putting my foot down on you buying a piece of fake turf from... <laughs> And having it shipped and having it kept in our backyard, so uh, I let the wife won that argument. But uh, but no, this new turf they have—I didn't know—is it actually turf or is it gr- grass? I'm fairly certain it's turf. The the colors involved uh, would the the only way it can be don't grass know. is if they do that uh, that uh, the green spray paint spraying of lawns that people do that live in the desert. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those colors don't exist in nature. So I didn't... <laughs> Not outside of the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, um, and even then, you know, it's like... Well, I don't know. But yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought, that's a bold move of them to use CGI to cover up their whatever they're playing on. <laughs> and because uh, it, it does, it looks like, you know, you, it looks like they're playing soccer and you'd expect, you know... Obi-Wan and Darth Maul to be having a lightsaber duel across at the next minute. And um, you could just imagine them like playing soccer on a blue screen or a green screen in the background. But anyway, That's not a bad idea for a halftime activity. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you are CGI in like, instead of the players put like, I don't know, Mario and his gang. <laughs> 
So anyway, the next time the uh, switchbacks come back to town will be May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, um, which is not Mexican independence, by the way, for you, those of you out there. Uh, but it is a <laughs> celebrated uh, day. And it's also, uh, which something I just recently learned as late as this morning, that it is the same day that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opens up in theaters. So... Um, if you are like me, you have to uh, get a refund for your Doctor Strange Marvel tickets and um, schedule it for another day so you could be at the Switchbacks game, which, again, will be Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. I'm hoping that there will be plenty of uh, taco trucks and appropriate oh, absolutely. Uh, appropriate refreshments. Um inside and out in a celebration all around. Um, and, and, you know, there's a couple of street taco places in the Springs uh, in downtown within uh, walking or electric scooter distance. Make it happen. Get yeah. your tacos, get your margarita, uh, and then go watch some, some, uh, some excellent soccer. Who do we play that night? It's uh, Rio Grande Valley. RGV, RGV yeah, and that's that's gonna that's uh, in a fact I, the first time that we see them this season, I believe. Yeah, yep. first time we see them this season, uh, and they have not been doing well this year. Yeah, unless they beat Houston tomorrow night or tonight, this week, <laughs> then they may be For feeling tonight. good about feeling good about themselves. But yeah, they uh, they're good, they're traditionally been one of the teams along with uh, San Antonio that tends to play a little bit on the, uh, I don't want to say dirty. I will just say um, physically um, questionable play from them. Um, you know, I don't want to say dirty because that, that implies that they are intentionally trying to injure or cheat, but um, let's just say they're passionate they are definitely, they have a they level of, passionate. they have a questionable intensity. Questionable. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Wait, That's, I, I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a, a Princess Bride reference we can make here. Uh, rather than rodents of unusual size, we can have a team of unusual intensity. It, uh. <laughs> Their tactics are of questionable intensity. There you go. Um, so yeah, we so uh, so so some big games coming up, um, and uh, make sure you go to the appropriate watch parties for each of them. I have no idea where they are, but the us- I'm sure it'll be the usual suspects. You don't have to go any further than uh, the Bruisers group, the Trailheads group. Um, I'm sure there's a couple dozen other. I'm sure the the Switchbacks will be pimping out a particular one. Basically, there's always going in the springs now. There's always going to be a place to gather to watch. Uh, there's going to be there's a good chance there's going to be a watch party somewhere um, this upcoming uh, Saturday at six thirty p or six thirty or five thirty six thirty six thirty p.m. and then. Uh, the following Saturday at eight o'clock PM. So, um, um, the other thing to, to think about here is, uh, that, uh, the, the Cinco de Mayo game is our only home game for about a month and a half. Um, we wow. don't play it again after that until June 3rd. So it's, 
It is. Uh, we got two away games before it, and then three away games. It's the only game in May, only home game in May. Wow. So if you want to get out and watch uh, in person, yeah, that it's a great opportunity to fill the stadium and and uh, and give a, a ton of noise and ton of support to the guys because you're not going to have that opportunity for all of May essentially. Yeah. So uh, I'm 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 not bilingual by any stretch of the imagination. I, I can order confidently from a Taco Bell menu, but um, I think it's fair to say that Cinco de Mayo is Uno de Mayo for us. <laughs> Correct. And then after that, it is Cero de Mayo. <laughs> Correct. Mayo de Cera. Well, that's a bummer. We only had one game at home this April. Eat food, right? What's that? We only had one game at home in April, right? Uh, is that true? Yeah. Yeah, last home game before uh, this we, was... One, one league game. We had one yeah. league game because we did have the uh, the um, Open Cup match April 6th. Yep. But uh, league the, play. Last, the last league home game was... Uh, prior to Memphis was March 19th against Monterey Bay. Yeah. So um, the, which, the good, good news is that means we're going to have a lot of home games probably this summer. Um, yeah. August, uh, mid August through September. Uh, we've got like four home games in a row. That's a good, going to be a nice, good home stand. Uh, that, that includes some really interesting matchups. Um, August 20th, Tampa Bay Rowdies, mm-hmm. uh, followed by our, a visit from our, our favorite uh, Rowdy Downstores neighbors, the uh, New Mexico United. Boo. Um, then we've got Phoenix Rising, September 3rd, and How- then first ever matchup with Detroit City FC, September 10th. So, wow. That's a good one. That's, yep. that, that is going to be a good chunk of games there. But yeah, this, this, uh, this home game on Cinco de Mayo is going to be a big one. Um. Obviously, we'll know how big after we see what kind of results we're able to get against Tulsa and Oakland. But the guys will definitely need all the support that they can get. And I'm sure that there will be plenty of margarita related uh, promotions and such. Well, um, I hope so. If not, yeah, I mean, they will be. They really screwed up. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. Since that is, you know, basically uh, we'll have that one home game in the span of about a month and a half um, after the last game, uh, you, you're going to have to have a lot of margaritas to make up for that. So um, save your pennies, kids, because uh, there's a lot of drinking that needs to be made up. A lot of drinking and partying that needs to be made up at Cinco de Mayo. I was, for a moment, I was going to recommend a drinking game where you uh, take a shot every time a ref makes a bad call, but uh, I don't want anybody dying of alcohol poisoning. So yeah, we need, we need to drink responsibly. Um <laughs> And if you're going to drink responsibly, I'm throwing this out there because it's of personal interest and actually kind of hilarious. Um, My son, who uh, almost was not admitted into the game um, because he was too drunk, got too drunk before the game. They were not going to let him in. Oofta. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's okay to, 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 what what do the kids call it, preload before the party? Pretty, yeah, you, it's okay to get, you know, to get, to get a little, you know, get a little get tipsy. Loose. Get loose. Don't get crazy. Don't get yeah. stupid. But, but save the, 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 the real, the real, real 
for once you get inside the stadium because uh, apparently they're they're on the lookout um, or my or they were they my son crossed a limit somehow. I mean, I don't. For those who don't know, my son is uh, he's the one that always wears the buff blue buffalo hat and he had on like fur and all that. Carries his carries a staff with a moose head on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he's like the shaman of the switchbacks. Yeah, they've kind of, I've heard him called that before, but I, I I don't know what he did to stand out <laughs> that would draw attention to himself. Um, but uh, <laughs> apparently, they questioned. I mean. So yeah, if if you're gonna if you're gonna get a little if you're going to enjoy some in, some uh, libations, please please do so responsibly and know that uh, uh, the security guards and people who check tickets uh, are willing to not let you in the game, even if you are a uh, seven year season ticket holder um, with a weapon in your hand. <laughs> so. Um, all right, that's about all I have. <laughs> Do you got anything else, man? Not at all. Not at all. I, I can't think of a better way to end. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah, that that's about it for us. Oh, I, the, the rundown, uh, league standings as of April nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Despite our first loss of the season, we are in second place uh, behind San Diego Loyal in the Western Conference. They are at 16 points and we are at 15. The happy line to get in the playoffs is currently occupied by New Mexico with eight points. Uh, chasing behind them is the LA Galaxy at seven and RGV at six. And bringing up the rear is Monterey Bay FC with an impressive three points and a negative 10 goal differential. Um, so that's worth, what... Worth noting also that uh, switchbacks are in second, but with two games in hand on yes. San Diego. So yes, two games in hand. There are there are points to uh, to make up and take that spot back. Yep. Uh, there, they are, uh, we are five wins, which are tied for the most in the league still with uh, Louisville, which is has one game in hand in us, and with San Diego, which has two games, and with San Antonio, uh, which are also a five and one. Uh, we are only ahead of them in the standings uh, due to our five point goal differential and their three point different goal differential. And uh, San Antonio, we all know, is one of those teams that seems to always come down at the end every year about where positioning lies so um keep an eye out on them and root against them at every chance um <laughs> every but time every time um so there's your standings uh we need to um we need to see some san diego san antonio las vegas phoenix we need to see them lose some more games uh as well as sacramento and new mexico Boy, I, I, it's it's always good to be able to hate on those old group of teams, see, like Sacramento. I haven't I haven't had to personally oh, hate them in a long time. In Phoenix, oh, it's good to have them back. It's good to have them back. Good to be uh, <laughs> be back in the same conference with them and uh, be able to to um, boo them and dislike them with great intis- intensity and uh, questionable, uh, questionable enthusiasm. Yeah, questionable <laughs> enthusiasm. So uh, yeah, let's. Uh, so that that's where we stand, and uh, that's us from here at Back Chat. I am Jason. I'm Paul, and we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>